close to, I think I'm just doing an ASMR episode. This is the ASMR episode. <laughs> Welcome to Best Mistakes. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? My dream is to be an ASMR person <laughs> and then be like, <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> COVID ASMR. <laughs> Mistakes. Ow. Welcome. Welcome to Best Mistakes. I'm Anya Volts. And I'm Nico Lamazzo. And Larry King is dead. Larry King. Oh, God, you're right. Larry King is dead. What a thing to wake up to. I don't really, you know, it's sad, but I didn't really have a reaction. (laughs) I was like, sad. I felt like a profound sadness, not so much for him specifically. Not that it's not sad. Yeah, it's sad. But but I just don't like, I didn't watch him a lot growing up or anything. Yeah, I really either. But I felt this profound sadness that he had just gone viral. Oh, really? For for that interview where he's like, um, the guy from Community is like, Larry, I'm on DuckTales. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, like last month. Yeah, and I was like, honestly, I hadn't really thought about Larry King in years. And then he went viral, and now he's gone. Now he's dead. So congrats to whoever is his next of kin. And <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. We got bellies full of Taco Bell right now. A taco Bell. I can't. I can't eat at Taco Bell, Karen. I'm on a no carb diet. Isn't it an all carb diet? Or all <laughs> the way it? that you just why would why completely would she... dissociated? <laughs> well, like why? I think you're right, but why would she be on an For, all carb diet? Um, because the the <laughs> the like little calteen bars that yeah. Katie gives her burns your carbs, burns up all your carbs. So if you only eat carbs, then all of your calories are being burned by oh. these bars. Is like the the logic that are there, isn't Lindsay Taco Lohan's Bell character all carbs. I know. I mean, I don't <laughs> listen. I don't get that. <laughs> I'm not here to defend this huge plot hole in Mean Girls, but you're right. Uh, Taco Bell would probably be the place to go if you're on an all carb diet. Yeah. I told my friend last night who's never seen Mean Girls, um, Gen Z, I can't stand them, that he's <laughs> Regina George. Um, and I'm waiting for him to watch it now so he can tell me if he agrees. All right. Speaking of Gen Z, um, I. <laughs> This is actually kind of my hot take. Should we just get into it? Yeah. Okay. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. So my hot take is that um, Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas is one of the best songs of all time. Okay. Um, That's not the hot take on its own, but like, you know, that's a given. It's a very good song. And it's such a good song that rather than just dismissing it entirely when it came out as the original version and everyone was like, yikes, everyone just demanded they re-record it without the offensive word in it. Like, that's why let's get it started. What's the offensive word? Let's get our word. Our word? <laughs> I can't say it, Nika. Do you not know that Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas used to be Let's Get... (laughs) Oh, no. Wait. Oh, my God. You're part of my hot take then. My hot take is that... (laughs) My hot take is that we so effectively rewrote history (laughs) by making them re-record that song that 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 Gen Z and apparently Nika Lamazzo (laughs) don't even know about the original version, which I think is like our generation's version of book burning. Was it like on the radio? 
No, that's why Let's Get It Started was recorded because the radio was like, we're not playing this. That's terrible. But it was such a good song that they're like, we would play it if it didn't say this. And so that's literally why they re-recorded wow. it. I feel like if it were just an okay song, it would just be immortalized on their album forever, yeah. you know? But yeah, like it would yeah. have never played on the radio anyway. Yeah. But because it was yeah. such a good song, they were like, okay, great. You got a hit on oh your hands, God. but kind of... Get rid of that first. Is that sort of the R word campaign? No, but that's why the first line is Will I Am saying in this context, there's no disrespect. And that line doesn't make any sense in the re-recorded version. It's like, why would there be disrespect? Will I Am? You're just asking us to get it started. That's reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, my my hot take was that we so effectively um, like got rid of the original version that there are so so many Gen Z in my life. And now I can't believe you too. (laughs) Don't even know about the original. Elisa, did you know about the original? No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, like I said, um, I think that if, you know, book burning were ever a good thing, it would be in this context. There's no disrespect. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so my hot take um, is that. Yeah, I can't believe how many people we got to just never even know. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. And I learned that this week. And now so many people are just cropping up out of nowhere saying that they never heard the original which I think is a good thing but also, you know, it's it's part of our history. (laughs) It's part of our um, early aughts history and I don't think that we should let the black eyed peas off the hook, you know? I agree with you. Anyway, <laughs> my mistake this week. Hmm. What's, what was my mistake this week? I, um, you know, waited until the last minute to do that TV packet and that writer's packet thing. Same. And it gave me a lot of stress dreams. <laughs> I don't know why, know. but it really took over my brain and made me feel um, like preemptive imposter syndrome because mm. I was like, even if I got this job, which let's be clear, I don't think I'm going to, yeah, but I was like, even if I got it, I feel like I'm not smart or funny enough for what even uh. this packet is asking me to do. So if it were asked of me every single day, I would like lose my mind. Um, and so then I really had to reel that in. So that like in itself was kind of a mistake too. how much I let it like get in my head that I'm not good enough for something, you know? Yeah. Um, and then my keepsake is that I did it anyway, and I'm actually very proud of what I submitted, whether I whether it gets anywhere or not. And um, I don't know, the last few days I've been like working out again, mm. and I've been meditating. Ooh. Um, and uh, yeah, Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license has just really been hitting the spot. But I do think, oh, that's my other hot take. I do think driver's license is our next somebody that I used to know. Um, in mm. that it's a song that we all love at first and then we overplay it and make ourselves physically ill with how much we overplay it. I mean, I'm just physically ill because I don't know who I like. I have listened to the song, but I'm like, who the fuck is Sabrina Carpenter and Olivia Rodriguez? Like, I'm so <laughs> I'm a day away from turning 26 and never have I felt so culturally irrelevant yeah. in my life. If I weren't on Twitter, I, only I wouldn't know... have my finger on the pulse ever. I only know who they are because... Um, well, Olivia Rodrigo, at least, because I watched High School Musical, the musical, the series mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, because the title was so 
um, convoluted that I was like, I need to know more. And to this day, I cannot effectively describe what that show is about to somebody (laughs) because it is such a complicated plot. Um, and it's kind of hard to like wrap your mind around what the show is actually about, but it's essentially, essentially about the high school that high school musical was filmed at. And it's like supposed to be it's like a fictional show about the high school that the movie High School Musical was filmed at. So these fictional characters in this TV show Uh are pretending in the context of this universe to go to the high school that this movie was filmed at, putting on the production of High School Musical. That's what that's so meta. (laughs) And it's not like a documentary. It's a fictional, like scripted show. That's so yeah, that's how, that's how <laughs> multifaceted. And she's in that show, so that's how I yeah. know. And she, her songs on that show are songs that I listen to on their own. Like, I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't surprised that Driver's License was a hit because yeah. I mean, she's really song. good. She's a good singer. It's a cute song. IMO. But yeah, Sabrina Carpenter's clapback song is pure garbage. No offense, Sabrina Carpenter, but... I'm going to have to listen. It's really My bad. hot take is about... Um, Sabrina Carpenter and Olivia Rodrigo. So, well, um, take us away then. Well, I'll do my mistake and my keepsake first. So, my keepsake is that I submitted that packet. First time doing that. Um, so, that's my keepsake. My f- mistake, fuck up. Um, I took an Adderall yesterday to, to be able to write it. That would be my mistake because I forgot how much I despise the Adderall <laughs> come down. I used to take two extended release 20 milligram Adderalls every day. It makes me feel like I am uh, dead inside. Mm. But I got the packet done. So uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> my hot take is that everyone is I haven't listened to this clap back song yet. Well, clap back. Um, <laughs> no, that's the kids call it a clap back. Um, I haven't listened to this song yet, but. Everyone has been tweeting about how it's like inappropriate that Sabrina Carpenter wrote this song because she's 20. They're like, she's 21 years old and Olivia Rodrigo is 17, which to me, if there's anything inappropriate the same about age. that. Well, it's, like, it's the same age, but I'm like, if you're going to have a problem with Sabrina, you better also have a problem with the guy that the song is about. Yeah, but because I he's just, 20. I just don't. It's like literally my hot take is that. 21 year olds are still teenagers like you are fully a teenager at 21 years old like I don't think you read like I don't know I don't know when I think the cutoff happens but like 20 and 21 it should be like teenage plus Mm. in my opinion you're uh, I the only difference between me maturity wise at 21 versus 17 is that I could legally drink that was it I was I feel like my I like agree with you that they're the same age, but I have the opposite perspective where I think 17 and 21 are like equally adults. Regardless of how you want to see it, it's the same age. Like yeah. it's full. It's I don't under. Well, I don't know why people are acting like because it's Gen Z and they think that. No, but I've been seeing a millennials do year it. Of difference. No, I've been seeing. It's been like millennials who are like our, you know, oh. tw- between like 20, 24, and like twenty six. I just. The reason that Sabrina Carpenter's song sucks is because it's, first of all, just a bad song. And second of all, she's like rubbing it in Olivia's face that she has the guy, yeah. which is like funny to me because Olivia's whole song like compliments Sabrina. Yeah, she's yeah. like, she's the girl that makes me insecure and like, she's so pretty. And I then Sabrina's like, 
<laughs> like, I mean, I just think it's like the response to that isn't like you dumb bitch. Stop to get my get my pretty name out of your mouth. Bitch. I think like, it's kind it's, of iconic. I mean, listen to the song first. If it were a better song, I feel like I would. I will. Care, I but just, it's just not a good song. I just, it's like shoot. It's like shooting a fluffy bunny rabbit like, <laughs> right in the head. For me, like, it's just it reminds me so much of Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff and uh, Aaron Carter. This yeah. situation. Yes. And I'm well, like, at history least really repeats itself. Hillary does. Hillary does repeat herself. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary Duff, come on, best mistakes. Oh my God, actually, I mean, we could probably be just an iconic knock guest. on her door on, in Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> we could just walk to her house right now. Um, Let's do it. But uh, it reminds me a lot of that situation. And I'm like, listen, both Hillary and Lindsay can't really touch Olivia um, in terms of vocal ability, like just pure vocal talent. Yeah. But the songs that came out of that feud were all hits. Yeah. Sabrina could have avoided people siding with Olivia by just having a better song. I feel like I feel like if her song was better, people would be like just excited that they understand the context and the story, the way that they feel about Hillary and yeah. Lindsay or even like um, Miley and selena or demi which one was it that miley dated the same guy as? selena yeah anyway point being this is a tale as old as time and people would not care as much about whether sabrina or olivia are like in the right if sabrina's song was good who are That's these official, people like just, <laughs> they're just they're just the new version of it's, that it's 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 <laughs> i feel insane i feel so out of touch it's not like I feel i've been so keeping old. up with their careers i only know who they this are this is 26 i feel it's I literally like, only know who they are because of like tiktok and stuff well that's but it's like you know if i weren't like i you have to be on like tit like yeah, it's wild to me. I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm. A, <laughs> well, the, uh, the way that you and I are like obsessively on Twitter and like everything that feels out. everything that feels like everybody knows it because it's on Twitter and everyone's talking about it on yeah. Twitter. That's what this situation is on TikTok. It's just crazy. Like to if me. you just if you scroll through TikTok, no matter what algorithm you're on driver's license is coming up on your TikTok. I don't know and if then, I want to get on TikTok and like be in the know or if. I, I kind of enjoy not. Yeah, fade out if that's what you yeah, want. Yeah, I'm kind. You know, I kind of. Uh, I kind of like it. I like fading out. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I like not knowing that's what the I kids felt. are doing. That's how I felt um, for a while, and that's why TikTok is the app that is the most easily deletable on my phone. But at the moment, it's on my phone, and I am. Well, maybe I'll just I turn twenty tomorrow instead of twenty six, and then I'll become a TikTok <laughs> star. I mean, yeah, this is your wake up call that you're officially in your late 20s. I'm turning 14 tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, what do we think the fuck up of the week was? Fuck up of the week. 110% the Bernie Sanders, like white feminists, uh, being angry about Bernie Sanders sitting in a fucking chair. Wait. People were angry? Yes. Wait, what are you talking about? Literally every white woman with a check mark next to her Twitter username was like liberal woman was angry this week talking about how it was misogynistic for him to sit down and to wear such a shitty outfit. He should have what? been wearing a suit and 
he should have been standing up and oh my God. Hillary Clinton would never get away with that. And all of hit all of the memes about Bernie Sanders took away, um, took away attention from the first female vice president <laughs> being sworn oh in. Oh my God. Cry me a fucking river. I'm aware. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, so, that I am was so the, glad that my Twitter algorithm knew me well enough to know that all I would want to see is just people celebrating what an icon Bernie was for yeah. wearing his like sensible jacket to a January outdoor event. I know. And then all the memes that were just about him just sitting in other places that seemed to be celebrating him, if not neutral on him. Um, I didn't, I was not aware. I was not privy to the people that were angry about it. Maybe the even bigger fuck up of the week, to be honest, is that we had an inauguration, which part of it is paid for with taxpayer dollars. I looked it up. We pay between 100 million to 200 million dollars in taxpayer dollars for the fucking inauguration. Um, Which on its own in just the financial crisis that we're in at the I'm moment. Si- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like is a disaster. But then in addition, it was an in-person event during a pandemic. pandemic. Which I know everyone there was wearing masks and they were distant from each other. But like, I don't know, kind of seems like it could have been. It's like, how about you guys sworn in? Yeah, how about you guys sworn in? And then um, go write us out our $2,000 check. Yeah, literally first fucking thing. I like, I mean, whatever. I appreciate the things that we're on the first day agenda. Like we're back in the Paris agreement, blah, 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 blah. But truly the first thing should have been licking those envelopes and sending out our checks. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like giving us health care. Yep. Ugh. or anything meaningful but you know no but we just have to say yes queen to our um first female vp as if yes, it queen. means fucking anything at all yeah the, i uh really have been just so annoyed with everyone every just <laughs> everyone regarding kamala harris i just i i can't stand it i yeah. really i can't but, you know, somewhere RBG is smiling down on us. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, um, this week we talk about another girl boss named Amanda Knox. <laughs> yes! I'm so excited to release this episode into the world. The true girl boss of our generation, Amanda yes. Knox. Um, I do. I have some housekeeping up top. There is. Oh, wow. We talk about mean girls a lot in this episode. Um, there's At one point, I say that something happened with Amanda's case on November 3rd. And then I in the episodes, I heard myself when I was listening back. I say, ooh, mean girls day. What I meant was mean girls day is October 3rd. And oh. Oh, okay, mortifying okay. to me. <laughs> um, I am a millennial at heart and I know when Mean Girls Day is, okay? <laughs> so just if you're listening and you hear Anya say November 3rd is Mean Girls Day, um, keyboard warriors, stand down. <laughs> no need to correct me. Stand down, but stand by. <laughs> stand the fuck by. Um, there are plenty of things to correct us on, I'm sure. There's also, I listened to an Amanda Knox interview after we recorded this, and I guess she didn't actually discover Meredith's body. She just like saw blood or something and called the police and so i just wanted to say i do i misunderstood that and so in the episode i say that she discovered her body but she didn't apparently she didn't see her body until um she was already in prison and her lawyer showed her pictures of the crime scene to like 
corroborate something with her and it gave her like an enormous panic attack because she had never actually seen Meredith's body. Oh, okay. And then like the, the, even her lawyer or somebody was like, why are you crying? Like, haven't you seen her body? And Amanda was like, no, I didn't kill her. (laughs) So no. Anyway, those are my two corrections, I guess. Sick. But other than that, enjoy the app where we do just kind of scream about Amanda Knox's innocence. For yeah. like 45 minutes. For 45 minutes. Because she's <laughs> innocent. Because she's fucking innocent, okay? That's all. Girl boss. <laughs> Girl boss. Okay, I'm pulling up um, the mistake, the listener mistake for oh, this week. Oh, cool. Listener mistakes. Okay, this is from Spencer Hall. Um, Hi, Spencer. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for writing in. Love this podcast. I'm always down for a chance to look back at past mistakes and learn to laugh at them. Inspired by last week's super uncomfortable hand job story. <laughs> okay, so this is by the time people are listening to this, it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. But do tune in to our um, episodes, our original episodes, because... There's some doozy listener mistakes. Um, Okay, so Spencer says, A few years ago, when I was in a pretty not great place in my life, I would go to a dive bar that was truly a lost souls situation. Like, there wasn't a real closing time. Closing time was whenever the bar's owner started to cry. (laughs) One night, I met a very attractive woman there and went back to her apartment. We hooked up. But the next morning, in the light of day, it became very clear that she was married. Didn't feel great about that, but things got stranger. We chatted in the morning, and the way she talked about her job as a dancer performer, I definitely got the impression that she was talking about exotic dancing or some kind of sex work. What really raised a red flag for me was the way she talked about how her father had given her to her current husband. Mm. It was definitely not a gave-me-away-at-the-wedding type of way. But at this point, I'm so befuddled by this strange woman that I have no context for her very transactional-seeming marriage. Could it have been a cultural thing, religious, IDK? But I started to get a vibe like I might be in a mob a mob boss's wife's very nice apartment. Apologies for the length, but there are a few extra details to help explain my extreme confusion about what was one of the weirdest mornings of my life. One, she was very into bathing me, which was what? new. <laughs> she told me some st- two. She told me some stories about her party slash fe- festival lifestyle and a previous hookup with a prop with the prop comedian Carrot Top. Oh my god! And three, when she noticed that I had a small hole in my socks, she became absolutely insistent that she give me a pair of hers. When I politely declined the offer, she demanded that I take her socks. If you have any idea what was going on that I might have missed, uh, of what was going on that I might have missed, I'd love to hear it. Keep up the good work. This is barely a mistake so much as like a like a weird hookup. Yeah, story. I don't think you um, did. I don't think there. Yeah, there's no mistake. There's in no this, mistake but that's OK. We, it was still a good story. So thanks yeah. for writing in. But um, interesting. I wonder what the the detail of including if she were a stripper. I'm not I'm not sure what if that added anything to the story for me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always like the fact that I, I mean, nothing against this person who wrote it. I'm just always a little bit suspicious of if you include that as a red flag, what does that mean about what you think of? I mean, the mistake work? is that he's a whore and hooked up with a random person at a bar. But Yeah, truly. I mean, and that's what not- <laughs> go find Jesus and then write us back. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been in situations where the next day, well, here's the thing. I never sleep over 
And I never let other people sleep I over. I used to. I used to love sleeping over. Oh my now God, I, I hate don't. it. Because that's the thing. Seeing people in the light of day, questions arise <laughs> inevitably. Know. That's just when I was severely <laughs> lonely. I needed someone to cuddle me. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I like sleep. Like, I'll sleep over if there's like an actual, like, we like... um dig each other more yeah. than just hooking up but there's that you can very clearly tell the difference between those things you know yeah um so i would say that the mistake was sleeping over tbh yeah not fucking her but staying the night because babe the light of day only brings pain staying the night and or just not getting out of there the minute you woke up yeah just leave i would have just left yeah like why is why are her socks uh or why does she want me to have her socks it's like don't stick around and ask that question just leave for sure i mean i love a possible um mob affiliation is that what we think was going on that's what i mean they speculated that there might be like some kind of transaction I don't know. I mean, the transaction thing is weird. I, I want more like information. From, was she from like a religious family and it was an arranged marriage maybe? And then she had this secret life as like a sex worker, which is why she was cheating on her husband. That's where my mind went. If so, when I you want... said given away by I want father. that HBO show <laughs> stat. <laughs> Give me the story of her life. Yeah. Um, and I'll play Spencer. Spencer, do get a hold of her and <laughs> um, have her write in her version of events. <laughs> yeah. Tell her we want to produce her life story. Yeah. 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 We got connections. Um, as we all know, Chrissy Teigen's manager is my manager (laughs) and, uh, we'll make this happen. I'll call my manager. Who's also Alyssa Milano's manager. Yeah. I mean, I, I also want to go to this bar. Sounds cool. Yeah. Same. That sounds like right up my alley. It reminds me there's a bar in Burlington, Vermont. Um, Oh my God, what was it called? Are there other Burlingtons on you? Yeah, there are. There's oh, many. Really? <laughs> There's oh. like loads of other I've Burlingtons. I've literally only ever heard of Burlington in Vermont. Have you not heard of Burlington Coat Factory? Shut the fuck up. It's not from Vermont. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's from like Burlington, Massachusetts. I know. I used to go there all the time as a kid. Okay, well, cool. Whatever. <laughs> Next. All right. Do you want to take us on a deep dive, Nika, since you're just so oh. much smarter than all of us sure it's because i'm an aquarius um i didn't think about a deep dive mistake ahead of time so give me like two sacks um i mean i have so Ooh, many. how many sex two sacks <laughs> um i have so many mistakes um <laughs> we like to we like to look at each other like we're the camera in the <laughs> office <laughs> um <laughs> Wait, Elisa and I take turns Elisa being is, uh, Jim. Eli- no, Elisa is definitely well, what's so you're I'm Angela. You are Angela. You're well. You're okay. The only way you're Angela is that you're the size of an American girl. <laughs> um, Elisa is Angela. I'm. I mean, you're Dwight Schrute. For a second, I thought you were pointing at Nika saying he's an Aquarius. And I was like, Elisa, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I remember. Oh my God. Yeah, I definitely am Michael Scott. Scott. I mean, I identify more with Phyllis, but I definitely am Michael Scott. You're Michael Scott. I'm okay. I like how we're all like we're all the most horrible characters. I am Dwight. I'm Dwight and Jim. You're Angela. You're Michael Scott. None of us are any good character, and I love that for us. Um, none of us are Pam. Anyway, 
<laughs> at least none of us are Pam. We all love ourselves too much to be Pam. What's your story, Nika? Deep dive. Deep dive. Um, this reminded me of a really, really, really fucked up hookup I had one time. Um, it was like, it was in 2016. I hadn't had bottom surgery yet, so I still had a dick. Um, and I went out to a bar dance spot in Providence that I would always go to, um, called Dusk at this dance night called Soul Power. Um, and I, I like remember what I looked like that night and I looked in my opinion, like very trans, whatever that means, but like did not look like a cis girl. Like I was wearing like really baggy jeans and like a really baggy oversized turtleneck and like a bucket hat and like definitely had hair in my upper lip. Like, just looked you just sound like every woman in bushwick (laughs) i like did not (laughs) i did not look hot um and so continues to describe everybody uh, in so this boy comes up to me um or no i'm sorry this boy is at the bar and i'm at the bar and i'm like turned around facing the dance floor he's turned trying to get the bartender's attention super super hot in my type it's wearing like some kind of like puka shell style necklace and like a tropical. Did this take place in two thousand one? Seriously, like, he looked like he looked like the models on the Abercrombie and Fitch bags that I used to masturbate to. Oh my god, did he um, look like Chad Michael Murray? Oh no, but okay. anyway, he was very hot and very my type. We started flirting. He buys me a drink. We start dancing. We start making out. Um, I I'm living alone at that point, so I'm like, do you want to get out of here? And he's like, yeah, let's get out of here. I ask him to get out of there, assuming like that he knows that I'm trans. I just like thought that was like the vibe. So we like drive to my apartment and I don't know like where from like point A to point B that he had the realization and like started processing that I was trans because it was like a pretty short drive. But somewhere in the car ride, it happened. He had his Ace Ventura moment. Yeah. And so we got to my apartment. And as we're, like, making out, he is like, yeah, I can't do this. And I'm like, oh, what's up? And he was like, I didn't know that you were trans. And so obviously, I'm, like, flustered. And I'm like, I want to kill myself. Like, literally, I thought you knew I would not have invited you over, like, under false pretenses i only do that now because i have a vagina um like this is so awkward like literally i want to die somehow he like allows me to start sucking his dick and then like midway allows you well like you know it's like down for it i didn't like force his dick into my mouth (laughs) just so everyone's aware (laughs) um i start sucking his dick and then like halfway through it he's like i like i have to go like i can't do this so he leaves and then this is where it gets awkward (laughs) is that a year later when i'm dating that barista boy andre that i have spoken (laughs) i've spoken about who walks out from the kitchen lo and behold this guy who works at that restaurant i at that point I'm like becoming close-ish friends with his sister. 
So they're like, so, and we just like never discuss what had happened. I like made a joke about it kind of once around him and he like didn't think it was funny. And I was like, okay, what, like you're a loser or whatever. But I basically was like forced to see this person multiple. He ended up like working. He was like the cook at like a restaurant. I worked at right before I moved to New York. Like, it seriously sounds like it was written into a show. Yeah. And like, I don't think that he did anything mm-hmm. wrong, FYI. At the time, I was like, he's a piece of shit. But like, obviously, he was uncomfortable with the situation, is not into trans girls, didn't read the room. I didn't, it was just like a lapse in communication. So it's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. He, you know, everyone has their like, preference etc everyone has the right to not be into a hookup Some at any point in the hookup yell at me for this episode <laughs> no 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 well I, i'm kind of clarifying everyone every single person in every se- sexual interaction has the right to no longer be into that yeah, sexual interaction totally. at any time they want to totally. you know so that's where he did nothing wrong where society went wrong is yeah. like that he had this like obvious internalized homophobia and, and like trans misogyny yeah. that was now impacting another person. Yeah. But like, what is like, yeah, but we, that's like we would process. be like, we, that's like his journey. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But and this so is like, if anyone's like upset at you saying that he did nothing wrong, like that's a little ridiculous. In my opinion, talk to me when you've like been trans for five or more years and then I'll take your opinion seriously. <laughs> if you're upset with me, sorry. My opinion is if you have not been out for at least five plus years, you just like write it in your diary. And just so you know, every anniversary, Nika ups yeah, the year to, to whatever. Next year it'll be six or more been, years. She's been out. No, it's true. I just like remember. I mean, I, I think like for the first two years of being trans, shit is so fucking raw for yeah, you. Totally. And like everything is about like because of the world we live in, we're like the world puts your like transition into opposition of everyone else. Mm-hmm. You become very self-obsessed with like, how are people viewing me? So everything becomes about you being trans yeah. and every, like everyone else's opinion or experience in relation to your transness is then like disqualified as being irrelevant or like somehow transphobic, mm-hmm. which I get if you're not comfortable in who you are until you're comfortable in yourself when you're like, uh, you know, some kind of oppressed person yeah. or like person who has the capacity to be <laughs> fetishized, you're going to be angry. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the there are many stories that start the way your story starts that end in violence rather than him. Just yeah, saying, I, got I got really lucky. Go. He was. Yeah. He like he and didn't so kill that's me. like that. You got <laughs> you lucky. Know? That's for sure. Um, Like, so I understand the obviously the like he's still kind of the asshole in this situation because his perspective still is probably aligned in at yeah. least in the way that he was not into hooking up with like a trans person yeah, yeah. with the people who are like violent against trans yeah. people. It was just awkward. The, the, so the it's most, like that in itself can be like triggering of that for people. Yeah. I think the most awkward part of it was that again, we then spent like two years seeing each other constantly and like being nice I mean, to that's... one, being nice to one another and like, sitting next to each other at a bar and being like, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? And like this very like latent tension between the two of us. It was just really I wonder, I would would love to just like pick his brain about his perspective on that whole, like both the hookup and then the subsequent like weird friendship that happened. Because I wonder what if he experienced any kind of personal growth from that. 
Like, yeah, I wonder I if know. he's like less transphobic or whatever. Not, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to say that he's that he was being inherently transphobic. Yeah, like actively. He, right, but, right. But there was clearly something that unresolved going on. Yeah, which him. I, I mean, listen, I totally get it. I'm trans, but if I went home with someone and I assumed that they were cis and then I like realized that they were trans and I'd never been with a trans person, I, and that like trans person had like a different set of genitalia than I like was expecting them to have, I would probably go home too. Yeah, I think people over... Especially if I was like drunk. Like I, we were like drinking at a at a bar. I think people oversimplify, you know, there's a big, um, the, the like public... Not public opinion, but the internet opinion, which are two different things. Mm-hmm. And not even the internet, the part of the internet that you and I reside on, which is mm-hmm. completely different from like 4chan or whatever. Um, but like the the socially conscious corner of the internet really yeah. oversimplifies it with like, who cares what's between someone's legs? And it's like, It's like sure, there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more to it than that. It's oversimplified. Like I personally, as a queer person, it's the type of queer person that I am. I'm like down for whatever genitals end up being on whatever person because I just happen to be already attracted to all of it. Yeah. And so um, I, I personally have like never been, that's never been a hang up for me, but I also am very sympathetic to that being like kind of a lot to literally swallow sometimes for people. Especially again in the context of like a random taking a girl home. Yeah. Like not somebody that you like, like, yeah. And or or like in love with or something like somebody that you're just hooking up with. You're like, just hoping to like get some tonight. Yeah. And like, listen, maybe in a hundred years, it won't matter who has what genitals and you know, we're all hoping for a society who cares less and less about that kind of stuff. But you do like, it's, it's a little bit an over, it's an oversimplification in my opinion to like, just be like broadly generalized that everybody who has an issue with what genitals somebody has and not like just the person um, is being like inherently problematic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't even know what I was like thinking that night either. Cause like my mistake is that I was like, let's get out of here without having any conversation. Like I don't, I don't know if I was like coked out or drunk or both. Cause I don't really looking back. I'm like, what did you, what was like the end game here? What did you think was gonna, I mean, well, I guess actually I didn't think of an end game because in that moment I did think that he knew that I was trans. Yeah. So never mind. I actually, that's like a classic, like you've just had a miss, like that's such a simple miscommunication. The, the, the type of miscommunication that is, is like a, a rom-com miscommunication yeah. where it's like both people assume something and then never actually communicate it. Yeah. But we just like live in a world where that has like the specific context of your miscommunication could have been like deadly, which yeah. is fucked up and crazy. Yeah. But it is like if at, at its essence, it's like a fucking um, Judd Apatow yeah. level miscommunication. Yeah. And now at this point, I just always triple check. <laughs> make sure you really know or just like don't go home with people who I don't think would be down yeah and I think that can if you're a list if you're listening to this and you're not trans that's still something that we can all benefit from is kind of communicate with someone before yeah. you go home with them yes just about kind of all everything yeah but in the heat of the moment you're not thinking about that no and um and that puka shell necklace really is <laughs> it blinded really you blinded me I was like fuck <laughs> While oh, the Shirelles man. played in the background, I really want to. I want to interview this guy. I want to be like, well, well I'm still friends with your with, life. Still friends with his sister. 
All right, so, let's get him on the pod. Let's get him on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> we'll distort your voice if you want to keep your identity a secret. Let's do it. <laughs> um, okay, so in good fashion, I'm going to figure out how this relates to <laughs> our historical best mistake this week. Best mistake. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Young love, young attraction, sparks flying, um, led to uh, years-long consequences that nobody <laughs> could have foreseen. And that's how it's related to the mistake of um, the conviction of Amanda Knox. Yes. <laughs> um, so surely if you were alive in 2007 um, and like, you know, aware <laughs> if you weren't turn off the podcast if you weren't yeah if, if you were not um forming thoughts in 2007 then um go ahead and turn off the pod but uh everyone else in the world should probably be aware of um the amanda knox case the um foxy noxy murder scandal in italy so but i'm still going to give you the rundown so essentially, Amanda Knox, um, a young woman from America, went on a, um, what is it called? Study abroad. A, study abroad. Yeah, I was about to call it like an exchange program, which that is what it it's is like in high, high school. school. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, well, I <laughs> dropped out of high school, so <laughs> I'm dumb. That's what that means. Um, that's what we covered in episode one. <laughs> is that Anya is, is a fucking idiot. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she went on a study abroad program to Perugia, Umbria in Italy. And um, during her time there, her roommate from the UK get got murdered, and um, Amanda Knox was the was tried and convicted for the murder in Italy. Um, she is now since been um, like completely proven innocent and lives in America and has a podcast. <laughs> it's a great yes. podcast. You should listen. And it's like, um, a, doesn't she like do a lot of work? Um, she does a like lot of like innocence. Reform. Yeah. She does a lot of like innocence project work and she does a lot of like, she's very passionate about, um, the justice system and wrongful convictions. Obviously. She's so cool. I love um, her. Knox, if you're listening one time, I saw you on the L train and oh. I was starstruck. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I knew it was her because, did she know that you were like looking at her? I I think she knew that like kind of everyone was looking at yeah. her. She's fucking Amanda Knox, and her face was on the cover of every, every magazine yeah. and newspaper for like two years. Um, and not in a like Beyonce kind of yeah. way, <laughs> in a like murderer a whore, kind yeah. of way. Um, Select whore killer, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, seductress, murderous roommate. Um, which is like we're we're joking, but those are literally yeah, what the literally. headlines were. Which we 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 that's what this whole episode is going to be about more than the actual case. It's going to be about the covering of the case we actually have the um, lead prosecutor as a guest yeah today. <laughs> today we have um giuliano uh what is it giuliano mignini hey, um, who sucks fuck yes. you giuliano misogynistic piece of shit fucking prick um asshole <laughs> douchebag i hope you die i hope he gets covid 
This is us just like desperately asking Amanda Knox to be our friend. <laughs> Seriously, we love We're you. We're like kissing her ass so hard right now. But it's all of this is tr- like, I feel this way genuinely. But Same. so, yeah, I, I actually, I saw her and I was like, is that Amanda Knox? And then um, the way I recognized her is because her now, I think, husband or fiance, mm, husband, yeah. who was her boyfriend at the time, had. Um, Wait, what? She married? No, no, her- no, no, no. Not the oh, boyfriend at the oh, time oh, of the okay. murder. At the time I saw her on the L train. Oh, okay. Her boyfriend at the time of me seeing her on the L train in like 2016 or something, mm-hmm. um, he he like <laughs> he does he does an interesting thing with his beard where it kind of looks like a panini press. <laughs> Like shaved his beard for him, <laughs> and it's he's like these like lines down the side of his face, um, and I saw that, so that's how I knew it was Amanda Knox. Amanda, of her, Amanda, <laughs> who represents you? Yeah, who represents you? <laughs> um, okay, Amanda, so, why did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I came up to her and I was like, I just have to ask one question: Why did you do it? Um, no, I fully believed in her innocence at this time. To- at this point. But so in 2007, just for the quick rundown of the timeline to refresh everyone's memories, um, Meredith Kircher, her British roommate, is found by Amanda, um, murdered in their apartment, like brutally murdered. Um, Before Amanda discovers her body, she like first takes a shower. And so like she she like notices little things going like that are weird in the apartment. There's like a full shit taken in the toilet that mm-hmm. is not flushed. And she's like, what? Yeah. There's like a couple drops of blood in the sink. Um, and all of it is, I feel like if you came home to a shit in the toilet and a couple drops yeah. of blood in the sink, you wouldn't be like, Oh my God, my roommate has been murdered. murdered. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, someone had a rough night, you yeah. know, like <laughs> especially they're like drunk college students at this yeah. point. So that was one of the things everyone's like, why did it take her so long to call the police? It's like, I believe that she was out with her boyfriend and then took a shower and noticed a couple of things were weird, but didn't like think to who opens their roommate's door just like with when the door is closed being like, hey, just checking if you're murdered or not. Like you just like nobody thinks that their roommate is going to be murdered. So it takes her a little bit while a little bit to discover the body. She discovers it. She calls it in. Um, the famous pictures that are taken of her and her boyfriend at the time, um, when they're, uh, the like investigation is happening at the apartment and they're standing outside the apartment and the canoodling quote unquote, he's like comforting her while Uh, she's like clearly in shock that she just found a like horrifying crime scene. And everyone's like, if she was that upset, uh, she should have been like in hysterics. Also, they weren't close. Yeah, she literally just met this person a few weeks ago. It was like her roommate of a couple of weeks had died. And like everyone's like, why isn't she sobbing? And it's like, well, if you look at these pictures that are taken of and it's like the paparazzi is already on the scene taking pictures of this poor young woman that's in shock. Um, And she's like clearly upset. But the the headlines that accompanied those photos um, were like, like couple is like happy like happy they got away with it you know like it was like celebrating their like wild night together it's like they're just literally hugging each other and everyone's like why are they making out (laughs) while her roommate was just murdered and it's just very obvious to me that they're both also like upset but they didn't know her so they're not like i don't know they're not reacting like they would their like um own family getting murdered or something yeah um but so the the timeline, it's like there's two timelines that happen. There's the timeline, the actual timeline 
And then there's a timeline that's like projected to the public. Okay. So what actually happened, and at this point, the person who is convicted and has not been proven innocent, unlike Amanda and her boyfriend at the time of the murder, mm. who were both convicted and now have been proven innocent. There's one other person that was convicted and has never been proven innocent, and that is um, Rudy uh, Gede. Or- okay. No, yeah, yeah Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani. Is this the is this the black man? The, bl- the black man, yeah. Okay. Um, and so Rudy was a known burglar around Perugia, <laughs> around um, Perugia, and um, the authorities like he was like a <clears throat> a nuisance in this town. Like mm-hmm. he had been, he kept getting caught for burglaries and for random crimes. Days before this murder, he is caught. Um, in a robbery in Milan and he gets seized by authorities in Milan and um, the Perugian authorities call up the Milan authorities and they're like, Hey, we know this guy and he's like a problem in our town. Why don't you release him, send him on a train by himself back to Perugia and we'll deal with him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And just did it. And the American FBI agent that like has dedicated so much free time to proving Amanda's innocence. His big takeaway from that is that Rudy was obviously an informant for Perusian authorities because there's no fucking way for like that. You would ask somebody to be released for a crime that they did and not have send your own authorities to go pick him up. They were like, put him on a train by himself and send him back here. We'll deal with him. Then they don't deal with him. And so they're like, This FBI agent is like, yeah, that's clear to us that that means that he was working with authorities in Perugia. So that means like they wanted him to still be like out on the streets because they needed him for other investigations that they were working on. Okay. Um, And so when he fully is the obvious person who murdered someone days later, that makes it the the Perugian um, cop's fault because they just... Got him out of jail. Yeah. For no reason. Okay. Sent him back to their own town where this happens mm-hmm. and didn't do anything with him. Um, so when the one person who witnessed a black man fleeing the crime scene says, yeah, whoever did it was a black guy. They make it their business to uh, prove that it was the one other black guy in town who was Patrick Lumumba, okay, um, who was Amanda Knox's boss at the bar she worked oh, at. Oh, that's right, because she had a job. Because she had a job, because she was a college student who was just like living her damn life, you know? Wow. And um, so they're like, there's only one other black guy in town, and we really need this to not be the black guy that we just released from jail. So we're going to make sure we figure out a way that it's this other black guy's fault. Mm-hmm. This is essentially what happened. So they, um, and, and also the connection of it being Amanda's boss, who was also Amanda's also the roommate of who was murdered mm. that that made him it that made it Amanda's problem. Yeah, they were literally like she's the connection between this other black guy and the person that was murdered. So now it's somehow her fault. And that they that's why um, if you know anything about the Amanda Knox case, one of the big things that um, like everyone's like, well, she admitted it. She confessed and that the people who believe that Amanda Knox did it, it's because of this false confession. Yeah, they badgered her into. That um, if you actually know the facts about the interrogation that took place, it was 50 hours over the course of five days. So that's 10 more hours than the average work week that they spent literally torturing her, hitting her, like 
actually physically hitting her every time she didn't answer the way they wanted her to answer, um, asking her the same questions over and over again, depriving her of sleep, depriving her of water, depriving her of food, um, depriving her of being able to go to the bathroom. She was on her period at the time. And so she couldn't go to the bathroom. Um, and she, uh, was just like, she crumbled under the pressure. And really the confession that they got from her is that, um, that Patrick could have gotten into her apartment somehow. Yeah. I was literally like, they spent 50 hours to just get her to be like, yeah, I guess there's some way my boss could have, like I could have been the reason my boss would get into the apartment. Didn't they also use a text that she had sent her boss and it was like the incorrect use of the verb or something? Yes, there was a text that, I oh God, I wish I wrote this down because I forget the the specifics, but there was a text where she just used the wrong Italian grammar Yeah, because Italian is not her first language. And they're like, that's it. And they're like, done, case closed. (laughs) Um, So what's interesting about her confession that everyone is so obsessed with being the like, well, why would she confess? Is that she doesn't even, her confession has nothing to do with her involvement. It only yeah, has to do with his. him. Um, so even if that was the one thing that you could be like, that's still true, even if all the other, other evidence is just disproven, it's like, yeah, but what confession? It had nothing to do with her at that point. Yeah. Um, but so then the, the, the fucking Giuliano, this prosecutor of her case, um, and if you watch the Netflix documentary about her, case which Mm. i highly recommend it's really good um he's one of the people that they interview in this netflix documentary so they're not even like they're not even like telling you secondhand what this guy is like like he's He's telling he's telling you that he like thinks women are like these impure pieces of shit yeah literally says that she's like he knew that she she was a dirty girl or something slut yeah promiscuous and that's how he knew that's how he knew she was a murderer because she was already jumping into bed with her boyfriend of like a week and it's like yeah she was in love in italy and horny and And a college student sorry Um, that we're sluts in america you should try it so yeah yeah seriously um we have more fun here and that's not it's not our problem that you're sexually repressed, Giuliano. He's still an active prosecutor after all of this. Oh, my God. Fucking piece of shit. Um, so he really decides to, like, extrapolate a, a wild theories from the crime scene at hand. Um, the evidence that they claim to have against Amanda Knox is that she... Um, is a slut who was <laughs> sleeping with her boyfriend. So that means that she was mad at Meredith for not being a slut. And so one of the things that Giuliano, okay. <laughs> this is one of the things that he literally, that makes sense. Um, Giuliano Magnini, the prosecutor says um, that Amanda taunted Meredith while assisting Rudy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. while assisting Rudy and her boyfriend, Raphael um, in raping Meredith. He taunt, she, she, he like he also had a quote. How did this motherfucker get a quote? <laughs> he wasn't there, but his quote is, "You have acted like a goodie so much. Now we are going to show you. Now you're going to be forced to have sex." And he was like jacking off while he was coming up with this quote, like <laughs> masturbating and like shoving a crucifix God. up his ass. Like this is his like murder Jesus. fan fiction. Seriously, God, um, truly disturbing. How much he just like took his like hate of like you know, a misbehaving woman who didn't fuck him when he was in his twenties that made him do this. Truly. Probably looked exactly like Amanda. Knox. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> and he was like, finally I mean, was Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
The murder took place on November 1st, 2007. Amanda's trial did not begin until January 16th, 2009. Oh, my God. So she was in prison waiting trial for longer than is legally allowed in America. Wow. Um, because the Italian, uh, the Italian like judicial system is very fucked up. And so is the American one. I'm not saying that we have it figured out here, oh. but we have some, a few more ethical laws that in place. Crazy socialist country. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this the future you want, Bernie? <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, the, so the evidence that they claim to have against her was a knife that supposedly had um, Amanda's fingerprints on it and Meredith's DNA on it. Um, a receipt for bleach that Amanda bought to clean up the crime scene and incriminating statements during the interrogation, um, the behavior at the scene of the crime of her like canoodling with Raphael. And then the fact that, um, a black man was seen fleeing from the crime and her boss is a black man. How did the those knife- are the, those are the, but so here I'm going to, every single one of these pieces of evidence has been, um, debunked, debunked. Yeah. yeah. To the point where Italy has, like, in America, we have guilty and not guilty. We don't have innocent. Like, that's not an official, like, we say that we have proven someone's innocence. But, like, the actual verdict isn't, like, innocent. It's not guilty, right? Mm -hmm. In Italy, they have guilty, not guilty, and innocent. So not guilty means that it could have still happened. By the time she was um, acquitted, she was given the verdict of innocent. Oh, wow. Like, literally no room of doubt. Oh, amazing. They're like, there's literally no way she did this. I'm going to watch this talk documentary again tonight oh it's such a good documentary it's really well done um and actually like none of this information is i mean this information is in the documentary but i got way more details because a lot of it isn't this i mean the way i'm talking about it the documentary is more detailed but the information that i got um is actually from the book of the fbi agent wikipedia.com yeah the book (laughs) wikipedia.com um uh, by Steve Moore. He's a retired FBI agent that spent all of his time um, completely free of charge helping uh, prove her innocence. Um, and uh, all the money that he made from the book goes to her legal fees. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he like he's literally profiting. Is she not still paying all. off her legal fees? Probably. Wow. I mean, yeah, she was she went to she went to trial like three times yeah. over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the time she finally made it back to America, she had been in prison for four years. Did she? I don't. I they show it in the documentary, but because didn't they like bring her? Try to bring her back to trial once she had come back to America. Yes. Did she have to go back to Italy for no, that? No, they they had that. They had the was final that like the appeal or something. They had the final appeal without her there. Um, okay. that was in 2015, and that's okay. when they proved her innocence. Oh, that's when okay. she was officially proved innocent. Cool. And I'll get to that. But so, so the knife with the DNA. So the knife that had Amanda Knox's fingerprints on it was a cooking knife in their yeah. kitchen. That's or in in Raphael's kitchen. That's the thing. So there's like a a knife in Raphael her her boyfriend's kitchen mm-hmm. that apparently had Meredith's DNA on it. And that's how they were like, well, Meredith doesn't go to his house. Mm. So like, how did this DNA get on there? Um. There's a few different explanations for the DNA part, but the fingerprint part is like easily proven by the fact that Amanda had been like cooking at her boyfriend's house yeah. and it's a cooking knife. Um, another reason that this knife had nothing to do with the murder is because the investigations found that this knife was not used. You could like there is no room for doubt that this knife was not the knife used 
to stab Meredith. Yeah. There was only one stab wound that the knife could have been used for. And the only reason that it was considered not disproven is because it was a stab wound that could have been literally any knife in the world could have been. The, it was like a laceration. It was mm. like a scrape rather than okay. a stab. So they're like a fucking envelope opener could have caused this. So okay. the only reason that it's like there's only one stab wound that they couldn't say for sure wasn't this knife is because mm. they couldn't say it was for sure not any knife in the entire world, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it didn't match any of the actual stab wounds. So we know for sure that that knife was not on the the scene of the crime. And the reason that it had Meredith's DNA on it is because it had just been sitting next to all the other evidence in a lab without mm. like bags. Yeah. So it was just next to Meredith's DNA. Like it was completely mishandled evidence. Um, and then the, uh, one person says it was such a minuscule amount of DNA that you could have also easily said that it was like starch. Oh, okay. Like there's no way to prove that it was her DNA even. Yeah. It was just like a tiny little. So, so that was disproven. The bleach, um, they kept saying that this was the thing. They were like, we have a receipt for the bleach that she used to clean up the scene of the crime. First of all, if you look up pictures of this crime, it's so obvious that it was not cleaned up at all. It's like there's blood splatter everywhere. If somebody bought bleach to clean it up, they wouldn't have <laughs> you would they would have probably cleaned up any of it, you know? Yeah. Um and then when they were finally when the court finally was like, "Okay, hand over the receipt." There was no receipt. Hmm. They literally just made up a receipt for bleach and there was no bleach at the crime. Like it was literally like the the cops, the prosecutors just like were like, "We heard there was bleach once." And that's like what they brought to oh the my court. God. Um, the black man seen leaving the crime that they thought was Patrick Lumbumba. Um, that was easily disproven when they fucking found Rudy's semen in Meredith. Mm. Done. There was another piece of semen that was found on the pillow that they claimed they didn't test because they wanted to not embarrass Meredith in case it was someone else's semen. They oh wanted to God. keep her modesty. Like her obsession with like virgin women was went far enough that they like didn't want to like embarrass this dead woman in case this wasn't her rapist scene. It's also very interesting that like they it's very it's very clear to me at least that there was like a very big anti American girl kind of shitstorm happening where like Meredith Kircher was like the nice the British virginal yeah, European girl. And then you have this like party American whore. Yeah. And this was before Brexit, too. So who knows? Maybe in, in Italy, they would hate Meredith now, too, because yeah, maybe <laughs> because she's not part of the union anymore. But but at this point, um, there are everyone's like <laughs> obsessed with Amanda being this like sexual fiend because she had a boyfriend. Literally, that was it. Like she had a boyfriend that she openly spent the night at his apartment um, because that's like that was part of it. She's like, how were you? Why were you not here when your roommate was getting murdered? It's like, oh, because I was at my boyfriend's house. And they were like <gasps> clutching their pearls like before wedlock. Yeah, bitch. It's 2007. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the um, the behavior at the scene of the crime can really be easily explained by just the cultural differences of how Americans and German people because her Amanda Knox's family is German. So Americans and German people are way more reserved in how they show their grief and their shock than Italians are. Italians are much more outwardly emotional. Um, And then then obviously the incriminating statements is like, that was just, just fucking read any book about interrogations and how they don't work. Yeah. Done. Like that is how that was disproven. Um, So her appeal, her first appeal began in November of 2010 so seriously, this she's been just in prison for three fucking years Jesus. at this point. 
Um, and she finally gets um, acquitted. She and um, Raphael, her her ex boyfriend at this point, um, get acquitted in on November third, Mean Girls Day, <laughs> on November third, two thousand eleven. But their conviction of slander against Patrick Lumbamba um, remains. So the slander that they forced out of her. Oh my god. <laughs> um, she and then to to justify. To, literally just to justify them keeping her in prison for three years, they change the um, the amount of time, like the what's the the sentence of um, slander mm. from one year to three years. So they don't have to like pay her back for Jesus. that amount of time. They kept her in prison That's wrongfully. Um, finally, in March, tw- on March 27th, 2015, her acquittal from Italy's highest court happens. So that's when it's like officially over. Yeah. Is, um, but by then she's living in America and like just trying to put this behind her. Um, the Supreme Court judge, uh, the, the Supreme Court advisor, Mr. Um, Gennaro Marasca, stated in September of 2015, there were absolutely no biological traces that could be attributed to um, Amanda Knox and Raphael uh, what's his name? Solicito or something? Solicito. Um, her her boyfriend. Um, there were no biological traces that could be attributed to them in the room of the murder or the body of the victim. Where, in contrast, numerous traces were found attributed to um, Rudy Gede. Um, so, Rudy is in the meantime during all of this. They like realize their fuck up. Like well mm-hmm. before she's even acquitted, they're like, "Okay, Rudy did it." Uh, um, like, Rudy, can you let's talk? Like, <laughs> they're Rudy. like, "Okay, Ru- Rudy, uh, Vine, you're so quirky." Rudy again? Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we let you out of the Milan jail, hoping that you would just kind of learn your lesson without anything happening. Um, so they like realize what happened, and so rather than being like, "Okay, fuck," our plan to co- connect this to that bar owner didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just let all of them go. They just cook up this plant. They like cook up the scheme that it was Raphael, Amanda and Rudy. Oh my God. So that the Rudy's semen being there can be explained somehow. Let it go. Like seriously, just take the L uh. you were wrong. You have no evidence against these people, but instead they were like, it's a salacious threesome. And part of that was the fault of the British media. So okay. let's get into the British media. Shall we? Yes. Um, I think right now a very high profile situation that's happening is the Meghan Markle lawsuit. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, a very high profile. um, Princess Diana dead tonight in a car accident in Paris, France. Last week, Princess Diana was in a car crash. We just like enter this time warp. Live with the BBC. (laughs) Um, So the Meghan Markle um, lawsuit against um, British tabloids is a big thing that is happening right now. Mm some things that are just part of like the general cultural awareness is that like multiple former contestants of the famous TV show, Love Island, Love Island. Love Island. Um, can we have a chat? Can we, can I please for a chat? <laughs> um, they, there's multiple contestants that have, and a, a host of the show that have committed suicide, oh. um, because of how they've been treated in the tabloids. Um, and, uh, Princess Diana, it's attributed, like her death is attributed to the British tabloids as well and paparazzi. Um, it's, so it's just kind of a well-known thing that like the sun and, um, the daily mail, mm-hmm. um, these like, you know, w- w- what they call like red header tabloids yeah. 
are um, like known for just like absolutely destroying people's lives, having no ethics. And just it's all about like printing the next big story. It's all about uh, having the most salacious heads, headlines to get the most clicks, to get to get the most sales from the newsstand. Um, and it's not really widely known why that is. Like, why is it that the British media is like this, but like kind of no other media on earth has this like... Uh, it's it's almost like the British media is their version of school shootings. Oh. Like everyone's like, why is this only a problem in America? I you love know, that. like what I said, I love that. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it like to me, it's like everywhere else has the same. Like everywhere else has figured out how to make this not as big of a problem. You yeah. know, like literally everyone, every other country on earth has like figured out a strategy to make this not constantly happen. Yeah. And somehow you guys haven't figured it out. And obviously school shootings are um, more like, yeah, they're more <laughs> deadly uh, in terms of number of people who are killed at one time. Yeah. But it's, these are both deadly problems, even yeah. if it's at a smaller scale. Absolutely. Um, And even if people aren't literally dying from these British headlines, they are, um, their lives are being ruined. Yeah. Um, and so I try, I, I, and the person in the documentary who is also, he himself is just in the documentary bragging about how he came up with the term Foxy Noxy and he got the most sales ever in the history of British media at that point because oh of his God. articles about Amanda Knox. Um, his name, Nick Pisa, fucking Pisa shit. Am I oh, right? I remember him in the fucking documentary. He's so proud of himself. Yeah. He literally doesn't think he did anything wrong. Yeah. He's a scumbag. Um, he's the, he decided it was literally his idea that um, Rudy, Raphael, and Amanda were like a hot threesome. Yeah. And the prosecutors just took his idea and were like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's put that in the in front of a judge yeah. and a jury. Um, and it was all for sales for, I assume, like the Daily Mail or some shit, allegedly. Um, and he literally, like the whole documentary he's that this documentary about Amanda Knox's innocence. He doesn't even like weigh in about whether he believes she did it or not. He's just like, yeah, I like made so much money that year. It's like best, best three years of my life was when I was writing about Foxy Noxy. Um, And that's why we should murder journalists more. So I've, I try, I tried to, it's weird. There isn't a lot of information on this. I tried to look into it about like, why is it that America, like, cause obviously we like America is guilty of doing this. Sometimes we did it to Brittany, we like, but, but it's even when we're doing it to like, even when our media is doing it, it's never to the same scale. Like British headlines are way more like, like irrefutably, like just like untrue. Vitriolic, yeah. Yeah. And vitriolic and just fucking heinous. Um, so I looked up a couple articles and there's one article by time that was like con- contrasting it. What's interesting is that British, um, England has way stricter libel laws, Mm. which you would think not having the First Amendment and having really strict libel laws would make their media better. But in a weird way, it has actually encouraged the media to be worse because the laws in place um, are not constitutional. They're just laws. Mm. So you can just pay fines or like pay the damages in a lawsuit. And it's just like done with rather than like in America yes, the first amendment is like, you're right. Um, and so that's why like, it's very like freedom of press is like so important to us, but the press in general takes it way more seriously to be 
correct. Mm. They take integrity way more seriously because the reason for freedom of the press is so that information can get to the people. And it's not like it's not like a business. As, yeah. And it is a business, it is, obviously. But, no, I but know it's what you mean. so In the U.S., the First Amendment gives the media the right to publish whatever it sees fit. As such, the burden of proof rests with the plaintiff who must demonstrate that the story was factually wrong and that it sullied his or her reputation. In Britain, on the other hand, the burden of proof lies with the defendant. Mm. The tabloid or magazine must prove the allegations are true and the plaintiffs don't actually have to prove their reputations have been damaged. That's taken as fact. Even so, journalists are afforded some degree of protection under the so-called Reynolds defense, which frees them from blame if they can prove they had a duty to publish allegations in the name of public interest. Even if they're turn, even if they turn out to be false. Hmm. So really, it comes down to the Reynolds defense, which is or the Reynolds defense. So basically, if they they can just say it was for the public interest for them to know about these allegations, mm-hmm. then it doesn't have to be true, and that's like a loophole in their very strict libel laws. Okay, yeah, it does not make sense. But um, in some ways, English law discourages newspapers from defending themselves. If a newspaper defends its claim. Its claims in court, it may be rising its legal liability. Courts can consider uh, pub- publicity surrounding the case an ag- aggravating factor. And while tabloid bosses have learned to be wary of the likes of Elton John and Cameron Diaz, they're less concerned with publishing false allegations about the little guy. It costs between um, 300,000 pounds, which is 48 uh, or $480,000. Or uh, two million pounds, which is three point two million dollars, um, to bring a libel case to court. As a result of that, there's no legal aid available for these cases. So it's basically people who have the most limitless pockets who can afford to play this game. That's why it's a rich man's sport. So the only like the reason they mentioned Cameron Diaz and Elton John is that those are people who have successfully sued these okay. magazines. But like someone like Amanda Knox, yeah, isn't like doesn't have the means doesn't to have do the so. means to do so. And then there's another article. Um, let me look up what it was by. Um, by the New Republic, um, written by Br- Brad Plumer, and it, the title of the article is "Do Britain's Strict Press Laws Actually Encourage Bad Behavior?" And um, in that article, he argued that um, there's like a very famous study called like the daycare study, mm-hmm. where um, they were noticing that uh, parents, like a few parents, weren't picking their kids up from daycare on time. So to curb that, they made their a late fee. So if you pick your kid up after a certain time, you're charged this fee. And what that actually caused was more kids to be picked up late because now these parents kind of just saw that as like, well, I'll just pay extra for my kid to be left there later. So more kids were picked up late once there was a fee in place as like a penalty. Wow. And so that's kind of what how like Britain views um like slanderous allegations where they're like, yeah, it's against the law, but the law just says we like pay this certain amount. So we rather like sell millions and millions of copies saying that Amanda Knox is this fucking slut psycho. Um, and then maybe have to pay her a couple thousand pounds if she can even afford to bring us to court over it. Um, then have any ethics. <laughs> Cool. Then, like, do the true thing, like Sick. write write the accurate story, and um, not sell as many copies. So they and they're all, um, uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Rupert Murdoch owns uh-huh. all of them, yeah. pretty much. And we all know. I mean, 
Maybe you don't know. Maybe we'll have an episode about Rupert Murdoch. Just go watch Succession. <laughs> like basically about him. Um, but, you know, has literally not a moral or ethical bone in his body. Yeah. It's all about making money. Um, so while I deeply despise the prosecutor on Amanda Knox's case, um, I think that because her, the the poor victim in this... Also, what a shame that this woman who was murdered... Her and like her life and like her family, just like her life isn't being honored properly, and her family like won't know peace because of how salacious yeah. this entire case became. Yeah. Um, and they don't know what to believe because all you want is just someone to blame. And they were given someone to blame, and then those ripped out from under them when they were like, actually, she's a victim too, you know? And they're yeah. like, well, f- fuck, can we just like mourn our child? But um, I think it's because Meredith was British and that caused the British media to get involved in covering this case that Amanda was mm. um, wrongfully convicted. Um, and shout out to the FBI agent, um, Steve Moore, for um, one day, his wife literally bet him because she was like, I don't think Amanda Knox did it. And he's in law enforcement. So he was like, I think she did because I believe prosecutors. Mm. Um, She's like, well, then prove it to me. And they had a bet. Wow. And, she, that. and that's how he got involved in the Amanda Knox case. And it's because of him that she was able to, well, I mean, partially because of him that she was yeah. proven innocent. It's interesting to me that um, the boyfriend or Amanda Knox's ex-boyfriend was like exonerated kind of in like the public eye in Italy, at least like in his town. He talks about it in the documentary. He said he came back and he felt people were treating him like he was a rock star. And he was like, I am so traumatized. I don't want this. Yeah. But Amanda Knox, still to this day, Italians believe that she is guilty. Yes. So it's like clearly very anti-American opinions. And misogyny. And misogyny. But yeah. I think like a bit, I think anti-Americanism has a lot to do with it. I agree. Um, so yeah, like there's truly no reason in the world to believe Amanda Knox still did it. And they, a lot of people do. I mean, this case reminds me a lot of the Exonerated Five case. Yeah. Um, just like the forced confessions, the prosecutor to this day, like saying that they did do it, even mm-hmm. though they've been proven innocent, like so many times. Um, the press, yep. like the American media playing into their conv- convicting them before they were even convicted. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I love about Amanda is that she knows, like, she's like, listen, this happened to me, a like pretty white woman. Yeah. Like, I, like this is a problem that's like the only reason this got as much attention as it did. And the reason that my exoneration got the attention it did is yeah. because you would never think it would happen to me. Yeah. And I like that she's taken that. And rather than just trying to start a new life and never think about it again, she like has put so much into like helping other people yeah, she's become a real activist in, in that same situation um, that people don't care as much about did yeah. to kill a mockingbird teach you nothing people <laughs> i have a friend who i'm gonna have to send this episode when we air it too because he believes that amanda knox did it oh my god I, like, I have several people, people in my life that believe she did it and i'm like just read like one article that's the thing like the salacious headlines are not as interesting yeah. when somebody didn't do it so when they were all like i guess she didn't do it it was like not as big of a deal well also the thing that like uh, this friend for instance and i've heard it from like quite a few people is like the way she looked like yeah oh like the look in her eyes or like the way she speaks and i'm like mm, oh okay like that, that is not evident yeah like you're a fucking what also right. if you actually just like look at uh, look at the actual videos of her like that is exactly i think how i would react yeah i would just be like this is fucking weird 
Like, yeah, I, I don't know this how. Happening. Yeah, I I can't say because I have no idea how I would react in that situation. But as somebody who studied abroad, like that literally is like every person's biggest fear now who studies abroad <laughs> is that like some crazy shit like that is gonna happen. Like you're just gonna be stuck in prison abroad. Yeah, for and four another. Years. And I don't. I was in Brazil. I don't even fucking speak Portuguese. Like, yeah, she at least That's was fluent thing. in Italian. Well, she's fluent in Italian now. now yeah, she, because she was stuck in Italian prison for four. She years. She went back to Italy recently, which is really cool. Well, for this reason, she was talking about um, yeah. like false convictions or something. I forget yeah. exactly what it was, but it had to do with like the Italian like justice system. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that she's a badass. I, I'm really proud of her for how she has, like, she has every right to just go live her life in private and like, and just like not deal with like, you know, every single day she has to purge her Instagram and Twitter of people that are like, you're a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Moral of the story. I would say that the moral of the story is, um, that the world is fucked yeah (laughs) but when bad things happen to you you can still like really make like do incredible things with it like she she is whenever truly something that i like something that gets me through the day if something horrible happens to me or like i feel like something unfair has happened to me i just think like if amanda knox (laughs) can go to prison for four years for something she didn't do and have like an entire populations of the world think still to this day that she did it and she is like out here like keeping herself relevant to advocate for other people then mm-hmm. i can stop being a little baby about whatever's <laughs> going on in my life i like that um so that's my moral of the story personally yeah, i love that yeah do you have any moral that any takeaway um no, i don't like have a moral of the story i mean my takeaway is just that like justice systems around the world are all the same and yeah. suck. Prosecutors are evil. And I think every single one of them should be murdered. Um, <laughs> I think anyone, you heard it here first, but I think anyone who chooses to be a prosecutor is like the biggest scumbag. Like what? Like fucking teenager. It's like, I can't wait Kamala Harris. I can't wait to be a prosecutor one day. And now she's our fucking vice president. Well, you th- if you think about it, a lot of the people who get into that, it's because of um, like, the like unsolved like untouched rape kits and stuff yeah it's and, just like, all bullshit but then they then you're, they t- up, you're the top cop yeah seriously i mean it's interesting because there are people who get into it because they really care about like unsolved murder cases and like you know uh convicting like rapists and like they get into it for noble reasons but then they spend most of their career just like sending people to prison for yeah. like having weed on and them. they can never admit when they're wrong yes it's just like kamala harris has never been like she has kind of softly admitted that she was wrong when she was running for president which is like a real cute thing to do um the prosecutor from the exonerated five case still to this day will not admit that she was wrong this prosecutor will not admit that he's wrong it's just it's all about ego and power and control yeah. my other takeaway is that you know being a when I watched the the documentary, I was like, wow, it's like a very like free and sexually empowered woman who's like around the same age that she was when she yeah. was in prison. Like it's almost like um, a dangerous it's like dangerous to be that open about yep. about your sexuality because they can it really, use it as like a character flaw. Yeah, it can be weaponized against yep. you and then you're convicted before there's any proof. Yeah. 
I really recommend everyone listen to her podcast. It's really good. It's called The Truth About True Crime. I think she has multiple podcasts, but that's the one that I've listened to. And she talks a lot about how um, misogyny plays like a huge role in how a lot of different um, like true crime things are talked about with both when it's a woman who committed the crime or allegedly committed the crime yeah. or it's the woman that was um hurt in the situation or killed and like the way that our obsession with women's sexuality and purity Mm -hmm. colors the way we talk about these stories um can like impact both the person being accused and the victim negatively and she just she's very she's super super like articulate and thoughtful in the way that she presents um different cases to you and kind of gives you a different perspective on them yeah um, and I'm, I think that she's amazing. I do too. I, I'm really inspired by her. Yeah. We love you, Amanda. <laughs> we love you. Amanda, Amanda, come Amanda. on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I Please. would love that. Um, but yeah, if you, um, want to, if you think you were wrongly convicted, <laughs> if you think you were wrongly convicted, call this number. No, do not email us. Come we can't on help to you. best mistakes. <laughs> we cannot help you. Um, <laughs> well, we just tell, email us and we'll forward it to Amanda Knox. <laughs> yeah. Our good friend, Amanda Knox, who I famously shared like air with best on friend, the Mandy. L train. <laughs> <laughs> um oh god i think about it kind of all the time i'm like yeah. i was in the same car i as don't Amanda blame Knox. you um yeah it's it's weird to be in the presence of that kind of greatness you know i felt that way when i was literally right next to greta gerwig on the train <laughs> yes. i thought i was gonna shit my pants <laughs> um so yeah um write to us if you have a mistake you'd like us to read on the pod our email is best mistakes pod at gmail.com Follow us on everything at Best Mistakes Pod. Please. Um, and then follow our individual accounts if you're so inclined. Yes. New episodes every Thursday. Sub to our OnlyFans. Sub to our OnlyFans. <laughs> um, Amanda Knox, start an OnlyFans. Oh, please. <laughs> Can you imagine the hate she would oh, get? I would be oh my amazing. God, she would be absolutely crucified by the media. I would love it. <laughs> Foxy Noxy would be uh, yes. the, would be a great name for it, though. That's called reclaiming mm. your your own narrative. Um yeah. Is that, right. were we, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>